0: Hello, my friends. It can be difficult to be a technology leader. That is exactly why I spend my time talking with these great leaders in hopes of making it easier for you. As humans, we have this ability to mimic other humans. Visit leaderbits.io where you can watch short videos so that you can copy the actions and behaviors of great leaders to become a better leader for your team. I recommend that you watch a few of the testimonial videos on the site and then try it for three months so that you can see and experience the same results. Now get excited because today we are talking to Sheila Jordan, the CIO of Semantic, and we discuss their recent transformation by insourcing their IT department, locking in on strategic and critical decisions, and creating an environment where people feel aligned to the mission that the organization is working on. All of this right here, right now, on the Modern CTO Podcast. Here we go. This is the Modern CTO Podcast. There she is. It's Sheila. Oh, hi. Hey, how, how are you? Are you? Uh, Good. I'm so excited. Are you excited? I'm excited. We're going to make a podcast. Why are you excited? Oh, because it's today. I love it. <laughs> I, I'm one of those crazy people. I, I like run at 530 in the morning. And I just am so pumped up before the day even starts. Yeah.
1: And your coffee.
0: <laughs> water, this is water. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Yes. Do you do coffee or tea? Coffee. Coffee? Oh, man. Tell me about like your day. What's your day look like? Do you start with a 5.30 run?
1: Well, actually, no, I'm into Orange Theory. So I like to do, I try and do my five to six Orange Theory. Not every day, but at least three days a week.
0: So do they still do the thing where they like charge you if you don't show up?
1: Yeah, I think, well, I do the monthly one. So whatever. I just can't. Okay.
0: Somebody was telling me that one of the cool benefits of it is like you it forces you to go because you get to commit yourself to it and then they charge you if you don't show up.
1: Yeah. Well, my 23 year old daughter forces me. She comes and picks me up. So (laughs) that's my motivation.
0: (laughs) Is she, is she in school?
1: No, done school, graduating. She's working at Deloitte now. So all good. All good.
0: Lots of great people coming out of Deloitte. Yeah. yeah. So I'm really curious to know uh, if you split your day into like a pie chart, where are your big, three areas that you focus on.
1: Yeah. So I'd say there's three things. One is overall helping to decide the IT strategy and also how that connects to the company strategy. Then it's around execution because if you can't execute and execute almost flawlessly, and I mean run and operate and do all the things that, you know, you just assume it, it all gets done. Uh, that's the third. And I'd say the other third is I really spend a lot of time thinking about and um, planning and participating in customer EBCs and what we're doing internally and what's the security landscape and what does that look like? And we share that with our customers.
0: Oh, wow. So I, I have a good idea like in my head. So I'm in my early 30s. So to me, semantic is like Norton antivirus, right? <laughs> so what is that's like from the past? What is it today?
1: Yeah, so I think that's very old way of thinking, so,
0: mm-hmm. yep.
1: <laughs> which is fine, but um, so a couple of things. I would say that the security industry has historically been very fragmented, meaning you've got point solutions for everything. You've got a point solution for the endpoint. You've got point solutions for fixing security of the network layer. Every layer of the architecture historically, you've had a different solution to solve for security. And so what our one of our reports we did, which is our internet security threat report, which is available to the public, uh, suggested in our survey is that in any large enterprise, anywhere from 65 to 85 security products could exist because it's been so point solution. So we think this is a huge opportunity at Semantic, and we're creating our vision on that. We have two business units, one for enterprise and one for consumer, which is where Norton is. And I'll explain that in a second. But on the enterprise side, We have delivered our, we're delivering our integrated cyber defense platform, which is really a platform that ties all those security products together. So everything from endpoint all the way down to our internet layer, the internet traffic coming in. We have products that not only work at solving the security at each of those devices or, you know, gateways, it really is how they tie together and work better together. So we're super excited about that. And then on the the consumer side, we really do believe it's all about consumer digital safety. So tying together that what Norton was around the protecting your PC and laptops, but moving to securing the devices, people, homes. So we made the acquisition of LifeLock, which is around your access. Yeah, so on the consumer side, it really is a a whole new category around consumer digital safety where we're protecting the individuals, the devices, your homes, and who knows what else later.
0: Maybe my thermostat, right?
1: Yeah, all that Get the
0: nest protection. (laughs) So I'm curious to know, I'm going to get a little nerdy for a second, so you sparked my interest when you said that you uh, had this sort of single cyber defense system. Did you make like an analytic play? Did you uh, do a bunch of analytics on devices or was it like an all-encompassing solution? How did you combine all that?
1: Well, the interesting part is we actually have the largest um, database. So when you have secure, one of our products is called CEPH, which is our security endpoint. And so when we have that out on, you know, hundreds of thousands of devices. We get all the telemetry it's anonymized but we get the telemetry from all these different devices so we have this organization that's around star it's called our semantic telemetry group so what and it's the largest largest database think of it as the largest database in the world that we can actually see and point point and pinpoint bad behavior and bad security viruses before anyone else can so when you see that we can actually you know we can actually and we use a lot of AI and machine learning in that analysis to be because what security becomes is these logs and logs and logs of data. So how do you kind of find the needle in the haystack? So we have a lot of AI and machine learning that is able to us to detect these really bad things that are happening and be able to inform our customers and agencies and everyone that we work with that there's something, there's a virus, but there's a breach happening or there's a virus coming. So we have an ability to see that kind of before anyone else does.
0: So I'm. A- I'm a little bit biased to you, like I enjoy you because I'm a native to Florida, right? Oh. And I saw I saw your progression of your career. I saw that you're at Disney. Was that Disney in Florida though?
1: Yes, Walt Disney World in Florida. Yeah.
0: yeah. Okay, because I saw UCF, and my wife graduated from there. Oh wow! And so that- I was like, if That's UCF right? Disney, yeah. And so uh, we're we're big fans. And so when I saw you, I was like, oh, this is I'm so pumped <laughs> up to talk to her. And then I wondered, like, did like I'm, you got. This amazing career, Disney, Cisco, Symantec, what brand of coffee is it?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I would just say that um, I've been very fortunate to work with some really, really cool companies. I really do believe that. And it's, you know, some of it is luck, but some of it is by choice. I really would encourage the listeners and everyone else is that you you can work really anywhere you want to work, but you have a choice of those companies that you want to work for. And I think it's super important that you consider that, like consider the culture of the company and consider the leadership team, considering their mission. And again, I've always been super fortunate to work with companies that I love the product or mission and what the company is trying to do. The management team has always been one that set the right tone and the culture and enabled me to kind of let me be who I am, but also afforded me some opportunities that you know helped my career progress. And I think the third thing is, is that um, as I get older, it is super fun to be able to develop and pass that, you know, play that forward to really help people and and really participate in their careers and growth and really pay pay it forward what I've been able what has been given to me. So that's also really and and when you're when you're in an environment to be able to do that, it's super rewarding.
0: Yeah. So you've collected all this amazing experience. I've gotten to work with these great teams. I've been you know very fortunate to improve and grow. And there's definitely a time to you know lend your hand down to the next generation and help pull them up. Yes. Yes. What are a couple of the leadership themes, like things that you would pass on to you know, the audience or other young young leaders that are just coming into the corporate world?
1: Yeah, so I have a lot. So one is I have a, a pretty significant intern group at Cisco. I created one, and then also I have it here at Semantics. So I I, I spent a lot of the summers working with you know, young young in career and career and, and interns trying to kind of figure out what they want to do when they grow up in life, which, by the way, I still want to kind of figure out what I want to do when I grow up. Me too. <laughs> love my current role. But I would say a couple of things. One is when you walk into a job, you are being um, evaluated and scored and just evaluated on your current job. So do your job really, really, really well. I mean, excel at it. Do it better than anyone else. Look for ways that you can make it better, improve it, um, either productivity play or you know, you learn that there's something that's missing. So don't be afraid to, you know, one, do your job really well. The second part of that is we really do want new, fresh ideas and fresh thinking and young thinking. And we also completely recognize and understand that the millennial generation works, just works differently. So don't be afraid to give the older people in the organization those ideas, those um, suggestions, uh, all those kinds of things that can help you make you more productive. And, or if you see an opportunity in the company that we're just missing, Um, sometimes when you've worked in corporate a long time you get so used to policies and rules and procedures that we forget sometimes that it might not be smart. So raise questions, ask questions. In my opinion, there are really no no dumb or or, or inaccurate questions. Ask, raise, why do we do the things that we do? You know, really be participatory and engaged would be my second point. And the third point then is don't be afraid of being ambitious. I think it's like somewhat, some people get labeled that they're too aggressive or they're too ambitious. And I would say, don't be afraid of being ambitious. Do your job really well, get engaged and suggest other things to improve it. But then if you have aspirations and you want to go do something else or go shadow another department, or you want to you know, take on more responsibility if you think you can, there's nothing wrong with asking for that. Nothing wrong at all. So just make sure that you had kind of have that dialogue with your manager and just make sure that you're, don't be... Don't be afraid of being ambitious would be my third point.
0: I love it. You know, you were, when you're talking, you reminded me about last week I heard, I think it was Netflix. They do this concept where they put you on missions. So you're not necessarily like going yes. to work that job forever and they'll move people around. Have you had any experience with that style?
1: Well, I think that's, I think that's the whole notion of kind of work and we call, it, we call it agile development, but the whole notion is, and one of the things that I really believe in, and I think it's been a huge element to the growth of say the IT organization is, my job is to create a whole bunch of generalists. In IT, you've got you know infrastructure people that know deep infrastructure or applications or endpoint, and I really want to like move them around. So I have a pretty um, pretty advanced program that we move talent or athletes around because I want them to have that that generalist view of another area, and really it expands your thinking. You know, there's a book that we've all read when we were in, in college that is you walk in someone else's shoes. It's amazing when that happens when you truly do do someone else's job for a bit. You have such a deep appreciation for some of the things that you would have known and the nuances. So I would also say that in corporate America, again, I think it's gonna be where you're gonna be able to play in different places and projects. And we have a thing called Resource Now in our organization that everyone has their day job, but if you have an ability and you wanna go learn Python, for example, which is a new computer technology, if you wanna go learn something else, there's jobs that are posted, like short-term jobs that are posted and you can go apply and on top of your day job, you can go do those kinds of things. So I think it's gonna be kind of the way of the future, this marketplace of assignments that we're gonna find ourselves and being able to participate in way different ways than we have jobs structured today.
0: Okay, now you got me really interested. So you, <laughs> you, it's called Resource Now at Semantic. Yes, yes. And so you will actually have this, this board, this part-time jobs where people could within the organization, expand their interest?
1: Yes, because what we're seeing is we're hiring these contractors and nothing wrong with contractors, but we're giving these opportunities to contractors when sometimes, sometimes people have their project is winding down or they have some opportunities or they're just interested in another technology. Why should they look for somewhere else to go apply that their, their, their knowledge and their expertise? And why shouldn't I create an environment that allows them to go explore all these different opportunities and build their build their skills, build their talents, build their muscles. So, and it really is fun because you're getting different parts of the organization talking to each other, learning from each other. And it's just fun to see the movement. And you know, by the way, this one um, new and career solved a problem in like 48 hours <laughs> and it was done. So it's, it's really fun to see the results as well.
0: Are you a publicly traded company? Yes. I'm going to buy some of your stock. <laughs> you want to know why? Because you're, you're, structuring it based on how humans work. So yeah. my history is engineer, um, turned into team lead, turned into C-level technology executive, turned into entrepreneur, right? So from from that, what I saw was in my peers when I'm in technology, everybody has that need to do that like little f- fun side project, whether it's you're coding with your friends or after. But if you're, what you're doing is, is you're somewhat allowing this, this concept to exist within your organizations they can work on something else or shadows all that stuff that you mentioned you're satisfying that human need that's occurring and you're reducing your uh exposure to losing people um retention wise because now i'm not if i could get that creativity with that security inside of my organization versus having to run off and start something then now i'm going to stick around more
1: yeah and it's, you, I'm so glad you you see that because that's exactly what's happening and we actually even have an annual hackathon that we actually you know for 48 hours we can go solve some other problems which was was all AI based so I just think it's super important i mean everyone talks about the notion that innovation and innovations tied to R&D research and development and innovation is a is a is a group inside a company or or a team and i just i fundamentally don't agree with that i think innovation can occur at every single level of the company I think you know, administrations, you know, executive assistants, all the way to the CEO, can can innovate in their current jobs if the management team has allowed a structure to innovate. And I just think that's super important to look for ways to do that.
0: Yeah, I found recently in this uh, business thing that I'm doing that I interviewed a bunch of people that were potential customers, right? And I asked them about how they purchase. And this, I wasn't trying to sell anybody anything. I'm just researching and gathering knowledge, right? And what I found is my product could be 10% better, right? But what really needed to change was their um, contract model that they all existed in their enterprise. It was really stale. Mm -hmm. And so like in consumer lives, we purchase in a certain way. And so I said, all right, the way I'll innovate and stand out will actually be like our contract and business model right. because right. our product can be 10% different, but everybody's claiming their product's 10% different, but they don't even realize that they're all everyone hates the way their contracts are, but everyone's the same, so that's where I need to be different. And that's innovation but not necessarily in the product or in R&D, it's innovation in the business model.
1: Right, it's in the, and that's a an exact exact point I'm trying to make. Innovation can occur anywhere in the in the organization.
0: We're best friends now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I need more best friends.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right? Well, we're highly productive people. We can, this is how I get my social interaction is by interviewing people. Yeah. Uh, all right. So massive transformation at Symantec. You're yeah. a part of it. You're in the middle of it. It's been going on for the past five years. What's been happening? What's involved? Like, what are you excited about?
1: Well, I'm excited about it all. So uh, let me just give you a little bit of history. I've been with the company now four and a half years, and I actually was hired to in-source IT which I think is when you go back to think about it, you know, the decision was made years ago to outsource it. And again, I'm not opposed to outsourcing, but it, when it isn't really well managed and well thought through, and we had a lot of, a lot of leadership changes and stuff, it becomes inefficient. And I would say that was the case of point. When I joined, it was, you know, it, it was, it was a, we were spending a lot of money in it. The quality of work wasn't great. The quality of results wasn't great. So it was an opportunity to kind of stand out the, a whole new IT world-class organization. And I feel four and a half years later, we've actually done that. I'm really, really excited. It's diverse. I'm 51% based in India. So with with my own like staff and you know we're really diverse and we're just, and I would say in a lot of ways, we're actually moving through the next series of challenges. Like having insourced IT is one thing, but then the team was ready to take on all the other challenges, which was then halfway through insourcing, we split the company in half. With the Veritas separation, we literally split the company and I'm talking WANs, LANs, buildings, laptops, ERPs, data, you name it. We split the company in half, which was I think one of the hardest things I've ever done professionally. Then we added now six acquisitions on top of that. So the whole notion is the strategy is we wanna be the largest cybersecurity company in the world and we are. Now to do that, we got rid of some things that we didn't think were part of our strategy and also built up some new technologies that are part of our new technology. So that required six acquisitions another divestiture so we divested another part of the business and now we're sitting here again in a position that really is selling this integrated cyber defense platform requires us to sell hardware software services maintenance support i mean we're selling the whole stack so it's been an incredible journey i've learned again i, I was hired to insource thinking that was going to be pretty difficult and and then you know was able to help drive the transformation of of uh, six more acquisitions into divestitures so it's been it's been fun
0: success
1: <laughs> yeah I would say it's been very successful
0: i well i'm proud of you
1: <laughs> and you know it's the team it's again building this team and building a world class organization and allowing them to work on new technology and and explore and you know what i've learned too is when you give a talented group of athletes a challenge they're gonna figure it out, and this team has just executed almost flawlessly. So it's been really fun to be a part of that journey.
0: I love that you call them athletes. <laughs> I, that's that's something completely unique that I've never heard before, and I like it because it's it's a good visual.
1: Yeah, and that's right? what they are. I mean, when you get these guys in, and they're working as hard as the physical athletes are, and they're uh, training, and they're it's about collaboration, and the teams that win win together. And I mean, there's a whole I'm mean, a big sports fan, my kids played sports their whole lives. So I'm I'm big on sports and the analogies of teamwork and winning together. And that's what IT is. Unfortunately or fortunately, the IT organization is set up. There's so many dependencies. Like you can't infrastructure has to rely on applications. Applications has to rely on infrastructure. Data is thread through it all. So we are so dependent on each other that the way to win is to is to work like a winning team. And I, I believe we have that culture in the IT organization.
0: When can I buy the book? you're right are you, do you have plans for a book
1: actually i do but it's not yes! my first book as well my first book is not necessarily about work that okay. will be later. i'm actually getting okay. close to publishing a book about the positive perspectives of a working mother whoa I, there are many books written about um the guilt and how do you deal with guilt and all the things you're doing to ruin your children by working and choosing yeah. to work so i'm taking a different angle and now that my kids are out of school, out of college, and working, I actually see benefits to them. by because I worked, so that's a, that's a, it's a different spin. But yeah, it's coming out late late in October.
0: I hope. So I'm curious to know you you had you mentioned this intern program, and you mentioned it both at Cisco and and here at Semantic. This is like something. This is like your signature. This is something you do. You put together an intern team. Tell me more about. I think people would be interested to know how you how you form it and like what you do with it.
1: Well, so um, uh, that's a great question. So I'm super excited about it. Um, I do think it's important that one, we infiltrate our companies with new and fresh thinking. And I really do love the energy and the fresh thinking and what the, you know, what the schools are teaching the kids and their, their experience of college is say way different than some of of us have gone long ago, you know, a while ago. So it's really super important that we bring that level of thinking into the organization. Now, quite honestly, when you're in college, you don't know exactly what you want to do. You know what you're studying, but you really don't know what part of the world you want to participate in. So I think it's really important that that one, when you create an internship program, it's not about hiring a bunch of kids and they're going to be here this summer or young adults that's so going to be here this summer to make copy to make copies and coffee. That is just a waste of everyone's time. So instead, my management team and I, we create a whole list of projects that we want. It can be started and almost finished or sort of finished in a 12-week time period now it's not always going to be finished but it will be enough to say does this thing make sense or not so that after the interns leave we can put it into production or not but it's going to be a real problem to go work on and a real thing to, to help um to work on so i'm super excited um, because the interns come in and then we we place them with a with a buddy so they have a buddy that they know because usually they'll come in and they don't know anyone else that's working in the organization we go we recruit from various schools across the entire united states and we actually have a similar program that's a little bit different but a similar entire internship program in india which just runs a little bit differently it's more of a year or two year stint and then they convert um to full-time employees but we bring them in for the summer here in the united states we give them assignments we have a buddy that they work with we do a lot of social activities or allow them to have the social activities for them to see san francisco explore it so they have the weekends to go kind of have some fun But then we also do like a showcase, a manager they have to present to me and my staff at the end of it. So we give them lots of visibility to the executives. We have words of wisdom that we'll walk in and tell them some key things that we learned early in our career. My leadership team spent some time with them. And then, of course, we give them some really, really fun assignments to work on. Now, what came together this year, which was great, is they worked on these assignments. And I'll give you some examples in a second. But Some of them actually wanted, which I think is a little crazy because we keep them pretty busy, but they wanted additional assignments. So they found Resource Now and participated in the Resource Now work. So not only were they working on their assignment, they actually found some other things that they wanted to get, get introduced to. So the thing I would say is that for them, it's real practical experience of working in corporate America and even if they're, they come out of it, like one individual worked in our data services group, and at the end of the summer, he goes, I never want to work in data services again, in analytics, not, not for me. And I actually think that's as important as finding this other uh, young woman. She came in undecided major and loved the UI, UX experience so much, user experience, that she now wants to go major and double major in user experience and analytics associated with it. So, so I think this opportunity, not only are they getting some real work done for us, but they get to decide early in career in kind of a safe environment what their interest is, what they're good at, what they want to pursue without it being a, you know, lifelong career decision. So it's super, I just think it's a win-win for everyone.
0: I love it. I love how the world's moving towards how we want to work. Yeah. It's like we all, it's like we all came into the world, like with this, there's this predefined like template of how it should be. And mm-hmm. then we slowly uh, push it into our direct, I wanted to use the word manipulate, but it didn't sound right. We like slowly manipulate it into the thing that we, we want. And you can see, you can see the big ships turning and it's, and it's beautiful. And I love that you're in, in the senior leadership there turning this big ship that is semantic that everybody knows a household name. And that that's leadership 101. Like, I love it. You're leading the way you're making this possible, like these intern programs, this concept of resource. Now you're just a, you're another one that's saying this works and, and I, I like it, so thank you for that. You're welcome. If you have, let's say that you have, uh, say it's an engineer, um, they're interested in moving into team from individual contributor into team leader. They've got some, like they don't really know how to do that, how to focus it. What, what sort of advice would you give to that individual?
1: So I think, I think one of the actual hardest jumps to make is being an individual contributor, moving into management, whatever level that management is. Because a couple of things, one is you got to let go of like, when you're an individual contributor, you take super, super pride in the actual result of your project or Excel spreadsheet or code or whatever that you're doing. And then as you move into management, you have to become less controlling of what the exact output is. You have to say to the teams, here's the guardrails. Here's the expectation. I'm going to set the frame and let you guys figure out. Your style, your way, however you decide to do it. I mean, I, I liken it too. My husband and I, I don't I don't load the dishwasher the way he does, and he thinks it's all wrong. And in my view, is the is loaded, the dishes get clean loaded. But that's the difference. And I use that example because that's the difference in management. You gotta let go of the exact way to load the dishwasher, but you gotta focus on the guardrails and what's the output, which is you know, clean dishes. So I think as a manager, it's the hardest thing to let go of, but to guide and put those guardrails in, but to be very serious about what the expected outcome is. So raise your level of awareness, raise the communication, be clear about the end state, not about the mechanics of how to get there. That's the biggest distinction.
0: And then, and then being there for when you buy some new dish and they don't know how to put it in, so they come and ask you.
1: <laughs> yes, of course. Of course. It doesn't fit the right standard, of course. Yes.
0: My wife and I actually had that conversation last week. So that's why I was laughing so hard. That's a good one. The dish. I think everybody like will resonate with that. Uh, decision making, right? So mm-hmm. I get a lot of outreach from the show. People, I always try to you know, listen with an open mind, figure out, they always have the details of their problem. And then I'm always trying to figure out what's the core value of of what they're looking for. Right, because it's not always in the details. They really they come to me with A, B, or C, and it's really like they need decision making skills. That's what they're really struggling with is deciding between A and B. And so my response will be some decision making stuff. I'm curious, do you have any favorite uh, decision making skills or any advice that you would give to people asking about like how you make decisions?
1: Yeah, so I would say um, I'll give you the veritas separation as an example. So again, I was asked to separate the company. And um, with a divestiture, divestitures are harder than acquisitions for this reason. As a divestiture, everything gets done when you've actually separated. When the work is done, the, the money gets exchanged, the deal gets done, and, you know, you actually separate. With, with an acquisition, the deal is done, you know, we're purchasing this company. And kind of internally, you have all the time in the world. You have your own ability to decide how fast you want to integrate, how slow you want to integrate. And all those decisions on the business and IT side are done you know, if I'm an internal perspective, and you have time to figure that out or as much time as you want. So when I was divesting the company, again, I was in this mode of actually just standing up our public cloud. So the two things I had to decide really fast, really fast was what did I want to do around infrastructure and the network? And then what did I want to do around ERP? Those are the two really big decisions because those are the, the crux of does the, do the orders get booked? Can we talk to customers? Does the business work? Does the business flow? And so everything else, and I don't want to say it was noise, but everything else was secondary, like endpoints. And what version of the laptops do they want? And what is their email going to look like? Is it .com or something else? I mean, all these millions and millions of other decisions are important, important but they're not necessarily critical. So in any time I've had to make some really big decisions, you know, which is daily, but it, those, when you have to kind of carve out between what's really strategic and critical, and lock in on those decisions. And what I would say is that there'll be 10 people that come at you, you, you can, and you can change that decision if you have new data that's really defined to change the decision. And I make that distinction because when you make these really strategic decisions, sometimes people will come at you with a bunch of opinions. Opinions should not alter a strategic decision. Everyone like with their opinion. Okay, great, it's wonderful and fantastic, but that is a game changer. That's like. You know turn that's like a huge turning the ship you know 180 degrees so i would say be really clear about what the two or three or four strategic decisions are you have to make well you're going to make them with as much data as you have today so make them don't worry about it's the right or wrong decision make it stay the course unless there's new data that changes the decision and new data is data it's not opinions and then i would say that all the other stuff is 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 um, important but not critical so you have to address it you have to get at it but i wouldn't get so overwhelmed that every decision you have to make is the same weight
0: i love it it's like you made... <laughs> you've got so much good advice we need the book the positive book is good and then we need the technology leadership book as well yeah,
1: okay i'll work on that next i'll work on that next just based on what you said
0: <laughs> so what would the last time you've you're around all these great people all the time great teams and so they do different things that stand out to you and so what catches your eye about a great leader someone that you see has a tremendous amount of potential and you'd say ah I'm going to keep my eye on that person like what what stands out to you about those types of people
1: well, I'm going to answer the question two ways I'm going to talk okay. about who the people I love to work with and what is okay. why I who do I work for and what's interesting to me and then I'll talk to you about how I look for leaders in the organization but to me and they're not necessarily they're not necessarily so different but they are in one degree so as a leader and as a leadership team, I just look for authenticity. First and foremost, if you don't have trust inside an organization, then it's hard to get the team to work like a team, like a real team. So I would say authenticity. And again, leaders have a really hard job to do. They can share with you some information. They know what's going on and they can share with you some. Some is there's this cycle that we can't talk about right now because it's this strategic and it's quiet. We can't. And others are, you know, we're just not, we haven't quite thought about, you know, we just haven't quite thought about the future of the vision. And so they always are dancing, and I mean it like in a positive way, but dancing between the clear, the, the, uh, the clarity of how they can communicate to the organization, but also recognizing that there's some things they can't communicate. And so I think it's super important, I've worked for leaders that are really clear about that. Like, this is what I can tell you right now. This is where we are we are thinking about this black cloud thing over here. We just can't talk about it right now, but just know there's a lot of energy happening and thinking about it. And when I can talk about it, I will, but I just can't talk about it right now. So I think that level of communication, authenticity and sharing their view, because again, leaders have such a different broad view of the company and people love to hear the breadth of it versus the specific thing that they're working on. The other final thing I'd say from a leader is their job is to create an environment, I think in a, structure of which people feel aligned to the overall mission so the mission of the company is one thing the strategies are really got to be clear in the vision but i want to know that everyone in my organization understands what they're working on the specific project that they're working on and how that aligns and ties to the mission and the vision because you well we all love our jobs and we all want to feel really important and we want to feel great about it we also want to know that what we're working on is bigger than us as an individual and we are participating in a bigger mission and that's why semantic is at such a great spot because we have such an incredible mission which is to protect the world. <laughs> I mean there's nothing <laughs> it's pretty it's pretty big and important. And so we want to make sure everyone in the company can tie to that mission, which is what we're working through right now. As far as leaders I look for, I, I think again I go back to I look for people that do their job really well flawlessly they see it they connect the dots they understand what they're working on but how it connects to others. They have an empathy towards the connection and the ability to connect and make sure that what they're doing isn't going to uh, affect, negatively affect someone else. And if they do, they at least have that conversation about it and they just aren't in it for the, their own their own their own growth and their own agenda. I have no kind of tolerance for that. But then I also will look for people that have a positive attitude, can do, ambitious, and really is can think of not w- why not, but why? You know, why, why, what we should be able to do this. We should have the opportunity to go explore stuff. Technology exists. So, you know, what, what I love is not that the glass is half full, but let's always explore opportunities and ways we can do something versus it being no.
0: I'd love it. I think we've got like the first four chapters of your book done.
1: <laughs> I'm going to have to keep this recording then.
0: <laughs> well, guys, I'll send you a copy. Okay, good. I am curious. So I've met with CTOs and CIOs across the board. There is, regardless of what blog post somebody reads or whatever, there is no consistency to the differences and the title and everything like that. It's all really unique for each company. So I'm curious to know what uh, does the CIO versus CTO do at your company?
1: So I would say um, my job is primarily delivering technology and services and, and you know, uh, capabilities for the internal workforce that connects to our customers and partners. So I'm all about the customer journey, the partners, employees, all about employee productivity, all about the tools and the technology that makes semantic operate and work. The CTO is all about, let's take our products that we're creating and let's create the integrated cyber defense platform. Let's look four years out and what's happening with you know, um, new technology and AI and machine learning built in. Should we be thinking about you know, different ways of eliminating passports. They're thinking about the technology and the future of the semantic technology, versus I'm more about delivering the services for our employee, employees, partners, and customers.
0: I love it. There's no wrong answer to that.
1: I know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that was cool. perfect. We did it. We made a podcast. Oh, awesome! I'm so excited. You excited? Was it good? Yeah, it fun. Thank you. All right. Yes. It oh, yeah. Are you kidding me? <laughs> all right well it's yeah. so wonderful to meet you it was so wonderful to talk to you have a fantastic day you too bye. bye thank you so much for listening to the modern cto podcast share this get the word out thank you guys so much i couldn't do it without you i appreciate it you guys are the absolute best